Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plant. It's time to hemp present. Our radio resident Hempo Sapien, Vivian McPeak, will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to hemp present about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. present Radioactive Resistance, the weekly internet podcast where you can get your PhD in THC because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it. Seeking to defeat the alternative facts of prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, and nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly reefer radio rebellion against prohibition as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers and shakers, and history makers of the cannabis industry, culture, and reform movement. I'm your host, Vivian McPeak. I'm the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest. In its 26th year, found at hempfest.org. I'm also the author of the book Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest from AHA Publishing, also found at hempfest.org. Today's guest on Hemp Present is former 420 POW Natalie DePriest, who has had the worst kind of personal experience with the injustices of prohibition. And Natalie will join me in about one minute. As public opinion changes and cannabis slowly becomes more normalized with multiple states de facto legalizing Some folks are leaving the reform movement to transition into lifestyle or cannabis industry fields of work, and in many cases, that's understandably so. But I sometimes feel that part of my mission here on Hemp Resent is to remind everyone to put out a clarion call that prohibition is still going strong. Natalie DePriest graduated from the University of Kansas in the spring of 2000 with a Bachelor of Science in Journalism degree. She worked as a television sports reporter during her early career and moved to sales and marketing in the television and radio industries. On August 25, 2011, Natalie was arrested with her brother David after a pairman had seen cannabis plants that were growing in the closet of a townhouse they were living in. Natalie's name was on the lease. Prosecution employed a carrot-and-stick approach referred to as the plea bargain, where the defendant is charged with the worst possible crime, routinely a distorted version of what the facts actually prove. And if the defendant does not plead guilty to a lesser offense, they're charged with the full weight of the greater crime. After throwing down tens of thousands of dollars of legal fees and fighting the charges for several years, Natalie and her brother took the plea bargain and pled guilty. On November 12, 2013, Natalie was sentenced to 15 years in prison for possession of marijuana with intent to distribute. Her brother received 22 years because of an additional gun conviction. Natalie was released on parole on May 19th of this year after serving a total of 45 months. And she's joined me today. Welcome, Natalie, to Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio. Oh, thank you for having me. It's good to be here. My pleasure. You can correct me if I got any of that wrong. There's, no, there's you so did much, well. There's so much <laughs> to cover. Uh, but, I know. But, God, 15 years for having like 20 pot plants? That's just crazy. 
know. Your brother... It wasn't. Yeah. Go Sorry, ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, it wasn't even. It wasn't even twenty plants. It was twelve plants. Uh, one thing I've noticed about being in the situation that I am is that the media gets it wrong a lot, and uh, makes it out to be something that it's not. And yeah, it was twelve plants. I got fifteen years, and my brother got to twenty-two years. You're we both first-time nonviolent drug offenders. Now you were charged with. With they said they characterized as you had a large-scale grow operation. Do you feel right. like you had a large-scale grow operation? <laughs> No, I, I, and I got to be really careful, first of all, about what I say, because our case is still in the courts. We are still um, okay. in an appeal. So I got to be very careful with specifics, but it was not a large scale grow operation. What was found was 12 plants in a uh, bedroom closet is what was found. Um, I don't know how you can call that large scale, but I would not characterize that as large scale in any way. So you, you served almost four years what do you think yes. people should know, the average person should know about how we treat Americans who are incarcerated? Oh, man, where do I start? Um, you know, it's I think the first thing people need to understand is that people that are in prison are not all murderers and rapists and horrible people. Like, And depending on what prison you're in, 60 to 80 percent of them can be nonviolent drug offenders. So they're regular people. They're your, you know, I was in a women's prison, so they can be your mom, your aunt your sister, you know, your daughter, your, it's just, it can be, they're just normal people who, you know, get caught with, you know, a drug in whatever situation and then they get incarcerated for it. And people just need to understand that we are over incarcerating in this country and we are putting people in a place that doesn't help them. You know, if they're in there for a drug, that's not cannabis, that's something that they abuse, they need help. And we don't help them. We just put them in a cage and then release them out into society with, no ability to get a job, hardly, hardly any education. And then we just can't figure out where they go back. And we just, the approach that we've taken to incarceration into the drug war is just insane. And I'm hoping that at this point, people realize that it needs to be changed. And I, I see it out there a little bit that people are starting to realize this, but, but it, it, it's, it's a, it's a huge issue for our country when it comes to, you know, the budget and money and taxes and states that can't pay for things. And, and just, uh, you know, us as a society being able to treat people in a in a compassionate way instead of incarcerating them, you know, helping them. So that's, I think, the biggest thing people need to understand about people that are in prison. They're just normal people. We we tend to stigmatize. Oh, he's they're in prison. We, we tend to right. put somebody in a different category now. Oh, they're a criminal. There's a lot right. of humanity. There's a lot of compassion and humanity going on in prison because there's a lot of people in there that are decent people and they're being categorized kind of as second-class citizens. Now, the judge gave you both the maximum sentence, 15 years for the charge of cultivating marijuana and 15 years for intending to distribute it, uh, your sentence to be served concurrently. What went through your brain when you heard that 15-year sentence? Um, honestly, it was like being in a movie. It was like, it's really hard to explain because it was almost like I was watching it and not being a part of it. It was so surreal. And it, and I, I went into shock. I mean, you, you hear it, but you know, all of a sudden you're being, did you, up have, and did, did you have away. hopes that, did you have hopes that you would somehow get a lesser sentence? Absolutely. I mean, we had done the research and they wouldn't give us any kind of a, a deal other than 10 years we were offered. And, and we just didn't understand why they were only off. They were offering 10 years with first time nonviolent offenders, but we had done the research and in the state of Missouri, like 90% of people in our position, first time nonviolent offenders were given five years probation. 
And so, so that's what shocked. we thought we were going to get. Yes. I mean, we were just shocked. My brother went first and he got the 22 years Jeez. and it was just, you just go numb, you know, life you just changing, go numb. Life changing sentences. While you were incarcerated yes. for cannabis, other people in the United States were walking into stores and buying pot over the counter. Did you ever think about that? Always, always. And it's in pop culture all the time. So I had a television to watch, you know, and you'd see people in movies and television and on the news, you know, being able to do things freely that I was sitting in prison for. And it was, it was very hard to deal with sometimes because it was just like, God, be kidding. Like, why am I sitting here when people, you know, a state or two away are able to do it freely and I'm not. It felt like you're in the twilight zone. It did. It really did. I mean, it's just so surreal. It was just the weirdest experience. I mean, I'm a normal person. I've never been in trouble in my life. You know, I've worked hard. I've had a job. I've been politically active. I've got maybe one speeding ticket in my whole life. So I've never been in trouble. And to be, you know, sat in prison for nearly four years and have my brother be in the same situation. I mean, I just can't tell you what it was like for our family and our friends. And it's just, it's, it's so difficult. And that's another thing about people that are incarcerated. You're not just incarcerating that person. I mean, you're affecting their family and their friends and, and all of those people in their, in their community, you know, and it's just, it was so hard for my parents. And I'm just so thankful that I had such good supporting parents and family. In its sentencing report, uh, its sentence assessment report, the Missouri Department of Corrections, Board of Probation and Parole had rated your brother David and you as being in the highest percentile for likeness to succeed on probation, noting that you were educated, had jobs, had no no felony conviction on your record. Isn't that ironic? I mean, it demonstrates the insanity of prohibition. Then why did they even put you in jail? Right. I mean, you know, there, there's been so much speculation as to why they went the way they did. And we're, you know, we were trying to figure it out as well. You know, it's it's hard for people that live in legal states and, you know, away from a prohibition state to understand what the mentality is um, in the court system, in the in the law enforcement environment as to, you know, why. I just, I never thought that they it was a big deal. I mean, I knew we had broken the law and I was so sorry it's to have broken the law. But I you're thinking it's sure. just some pot. Yeah, things, right? you think, yeah, you're thinking it's just pot. You know, people don't go to prison for pot. I mean, you, you would have been better it. off probably. You could have committed a violent crime and gotten less time. Right. And there, you know, and that happens all the time in our county, especially. I mean, anytime somebody gets a lesser sentence for a, for a violent charge, people always bring it up, you know, in the local news and the local media, local, local social media about, well, why did they get this sentence and they only got that? You know, it just never makes any sense. And it just, it, it's a game when you get into this criminal justice system, it's a game. I mean, those people are just playing to see who can win and who can get this sentence and that sentence and how they can get you to plead. And if you're new to that and you don't know how to navigate through that, it's terrifying and you don't know what decision to make and when, and, and it ended up, we made some bad decisions because we just didn't know what we were doing. And you, and you're, what you're watching is you're watching these prosecutors try to, to destroy your life as, as, as the worst they could possibly can because they want to advance their career really is what it comes mm-hmm. down to. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, amazing. What it, that's what it, that's what it seems like. You know, I mean, I don't want to make any accusations against, People at this point, like I said, my, my case is still in the courts, but it, it often feels that way. It often feels like they don't realize that you're a person. It feels like it's just a game. They're just having a conversation in the back room. You know, I'll give you this if you give me that, and I'll drop this if you do that. And, and meanwhile, your life is hanging in the balance, your freedom, your 
livelihood. And it just, it feels, it, it's so helpless. It's a helpless feeling. I, I feel sorry for anybody that's ever had to go through it. Well, that's why we do this show, Hemp Present. My guest is Natalie DePriest. We're going to take our first break on Hemp Present. That's when we take our first pause for the cause because there's flaws laws. Hear a word from our sponsors and advertisers. Come right back. Don't go anywhere. Time to roll out for the people that let us Hemp Present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Are you disturbed by the prescription medication commercials on television and their endless list of side effects? They go on and on and you end up having to take multiple pills to counteract the problems caused by the first pill. It never ends. Have you looked into CBD as a more natural option? At Saturn Ranch, we produce all-natural CBD topicals and THC-infused edibles. Premium lab-tested hemp-derived CBD is the most important ingredient in our products. From topical bombs, salt scrubs, bath-soaking salts to tinctures and edibles, you're sure to find something to help. Family-owned and operated, we at Saturn Ranch believe in and use our products daily. Don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in your body. SaturnRanch.com Running a successful cannabis business isn't easy. Successful businesses need to have strong people to achieve long-term results. At Live Advisors, we believe people are the heart of business, and training people can help you infinitely grow your business. Learn more about our offerings at liveadvisors.com. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone, gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little, your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is him pink, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. We don't limit how much you smoke. And we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. back to Hemp Present, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. We're back on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio with former POW of the drug war, Natalie DePriest. Natalie, you've said that one thing you found out during all of this is that the media never gets it completely right. In fact, they often get it very wrong. What did you mean by that? Well, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I'm a journalist. I was, I have a degree, and that was my career, my my chosen profession for quite a few years. And, you know, when you're going in to write a story or or produce a story for television, you know, you're you're interviewing people and you're trying to get the facts out there and the story right, and and you feel like you're doing the best job that you can. And as a consumer of the media, when you're reading stories, when you see something on a major news network or in a, in a newspaper, you think, oh, okay, well, that's what happened, you know, and you made judgments accordingly. And I found out being on the other side of it, that that's just not what happens at all, especially in court cases, because when you're being charged with something, you really can't talk to the media about it because anything you say can and will be against you. So when the journalists go out to make their stories about criminal cases, they speak to the prosecutor and the police and it's their version of what happened. It's it's their version of what they think is, is going on and what they think transpired. 
And it's just not the case. <laughs> and, and, but you can't say anything. You can't, when they say there's 20 pot plants and you're like, well, no, there wasn't 20 pot plants. Or they say it's a large scale. You're like, no. Or when they say that, you know, there were guns everywhere. Well, my brother was a gunsmith. He was a licensed practicing gunsmith. And he had one gun that they claimed was one quarter inch too short. So they charged him with an illegal weapon and gave him seven extra years in prison for a quarter of an inch. So I, it's made me so skeptical now when I read and consume any media anymore because it's like, okay, well, this is what the prosecutors said or this is what these people have said, but, you know, what's the real story? Because if something's as small as they said we had multiple cell phones, well, I had just moved from Utah. I changed providers and had an old cell phone, but that just makes you a drug dealer, all, you know, all of a sudden in the media. And it's just, you got to be very con- careful about how you consume media and what's written and what's told because, it's pretty often not because because most people the things they have sitting around their house could be characterized as mm-hmm. evidence of some illegal operation, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, they took they took the cookware out of the house, all the baking pans, because they said that we were making brownies and selling them. Like <laughs> anything in your like anything in your house can be taken, and they'll pile it up in the middle of the floor and take a picture of it and put it on the front page of the paper and see and say, see what these people were doing. You know, they have these cell phones and they have notebooks and they have you know right. cookware and, and Here's it's, their and all laptops of a sudden, where they <laughs> right. You know, and you just gotta think about what. You know, you got to think about what's in your house. Like if if you have a, a plastic bag in your car and you get pulled over, it could be considered drug paraphernalia, no matter if there's something in it or not. Like you just, they will take anything they can and, and make a case against you. And then their side of the story gets put out into the media. And meanwhile, you can't say anything. And once you're so accused, you've been accused and some people aren't going to need to know anything more than that. Absolutely. And that's how it is when you go into the courtroom. There is no such thing as innocent until proven guilty. It is an absolute lie. Once you are accused, that's all that people really need to know. And even in the courtroom, you know, I bring you in in your in your orange jumpsuit looking like a criminal. Right. Right. Absolutely. You know, you're all cuffed up and you're in your jumpsuit and you look terrible and, you know, you haven't been able to brush your hair in days and and, the you know, the conditions that you been living in and, and they just and you it's look the guilty. way they present it. Yeah, you look so guilty. You know, you look you look terrible. And and so I mean it's just people have to understand how all this stuff is presented and it's just it's so there's a reason that ninety plus percent of people plead guilty because once you're accused it, it's it's a wrap. I mean it's just you're gonna have to play well, the let's game. Let's talk about that real quick that, that most people mm-hmm. take a plea bargain because what they do is they throw some insane charge at you and you're petrified. Oh my mm-hmm. God, what if they find me guilty for that? Right. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And you're so it's... you're so scared they force you into pleading guilty to some lesser crime. Mm-hmm. And it's a game, yeah, but... once again. It's a game to get you so they can get a conviction. Yes. And that's exactly what happened to us. I didn't want to plead guilty. I didn't want to plead guilty at all. Like there was no evidence against me except my name was on the lease and that was it. But I was so scared as to what a jury would say that I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to plead and, and get a lesser sentence. And then they came back with a maximum sentence. Anyways, we made an open plea. So we have no lie. guarantees. Cause they yeah. lie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, I can't put into words. It's so hard to, 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 to explain what it's like to be put in that situation. Well, and like they had thrown, it's like you're thrown into a meat grinder and there's no way out, but you get yeah. ground up. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, and they had brought another charge against me while I was out on bond claiming I'd written a bad check. And that's a whole nother story. But I hadn't. But they claimed it. And they made that a bond violation and put me in jail without bond until I pled. So I, I sat in jail for three months. So, 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 so it no really seems out. like they're just out to get you any way they can. Like their mission is, <laughs> their mission is to, like. to destroy you. Right. That's what it felt like. That's exactly what it felt like. I felt like I was a, you know, a normal person with, you know, I'm an education. I, I'm not an idiot. And I thought for sure we were going to be able to talk to through and come to some kind of a, of a understanding or, or agreement, but it never came. And it just got worse and worse as time went on. And they just break you down to a point where you just don't know what else to do. And so, you just so, want so, it to so, be over. So Natalie, when, when, when we watch cable news shows and there's, you know, one channel that shows almost all prison and, and crime, and mm-hmm. it makes it look like all the prisoners have tattoos all over them, and they're all gang members, they're right. all murderers <laughs> in there in prison. But the truth right. is, is that it's just people mostly in prison. And mm-hmm. did you meet a lot of other people incarcerated for supposed pot crimes? People that were um, just normal people that found themselves in this kind of prison college. There was, there was a few <laughs> the criminal college. There were a few that were in there for marijuana, but most of the people were in there. Well, we're, I'm in Missouri, so most people were in for methamphetamine and heroin. But there oh. were people that had some, you know, cannabis crimes as well. But I was by far, you know, the the worst of the worst. People were just they couldn't believe that I had the sentence that I had. I had sentence that was longer than people that were had been in there seven, eight, nine times for different things. Like it was just mine why was you, so why out do you of think balance. That is? You know, I I just I I something happened with my case. And anytime anybody looks at it, they say, Boy, you must have really pissed somebody off. And we really and people on the parole board at the parole hearing even said that. So something happened in my case specifically. You think it was just bigotry that they said, oh, look at these people growing pot. They got guns. They're just, they're scumbags or criminals. You think it was That's That's what that? it feels like. I mean, I can't speak for the prosecutor and exactly what he was thinking, but that's what it felt like. That's what it felt like. They're druggies and we're going to send yeah. them to where these druggies deserve to be. Yeah, he was, he was convinced that we were just spreading drugs all over town and that we were this big, huge problem and that just wasn't the case. And, but that's, that's the way it came across, you know, and, and, and it just, it just wasn't true. And, and it was so hard to sit back and watch your name get drugged through the mud like that in the local. Now your media. brother's, your know. brother's still in prison. Yes. Yes, he is. And it's the first thing I think about when I wake up in the morning and the last thing I think about before I go to bed. I mean, he is, I want him home so badly. <laughs> I feel guilty for being home and him not being home, but right, we're working right. hard. We're trying to win this. We're trying to win this appeal and hopefully getting him, get him home as soon as possible. We have a little under two minutes before the next break. From where did, mm-hmm. did you draw your strength while you were going through all these traumatic events? How did you make it through all of this? I mean, yeah. obviously you, <laughs> it, you, you don't have a choice, but. No, you don't have a choice. And I mean, you either, you know, you got to go to yourself and be like, you know, you're either going to sit up and fight this or you're just going to sit down with them, do whatever they want. And, you know, I had to fight and I, and I'm lucky because I have a wonderful family and friends. And that's, that's what it was all about was the people in my life. If I wouldn't have had people, you know, sending me letters and people to call and people sending me money to help me get through, you know, I would have been a mess. It would have been horrible. And there's people in there that, you know, 
don't have anyone. So that's how I got through it was the, the love and the strength of my family and my friends, because that, that was just, you know, I just can't even put into words how, how great that was to have that support system. And to think there's people all alone right now in that same situation, so many of them mm-hmm. thrust into that nightmare yep. and, and they're trapped and they know they're good people and they've got no way out. It's, it's, it's terrible, Natalie. It's right, just terrible. Right. And there, yeah. And there's people that are doing life for cannabis crimes. And they'll yeah, never go home. Yeah, almost, almost 50 of them. I'm yeah. talking to Natalie DePriest. We're going to take our last pause for the cause. Hear a word from our sponsored advertisers. Come back with our final pre- questions. Don't go anywhere. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Boober Way. Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. Cannabisradio.com. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we're back with our final questions on Cannabis Radio with Natalie DePriest. Natalie, you're working to start a company. You've got a new project called Four House Media. You want to focus on cannabis news, drug war news, the prison system, the judicial system, and everything. What's your vision for that, and how can people find out more and follow your, your, your work? Awesome. Well, yeah, um, you know, this is something that I came up with while I was sitting in in prison, and I was actually sitting in Four House, which is where the name of the company came from. And, um, you know, I'm a journalist by trade and by, you know, with my education, and I just feel there's a real lack of really good news reporting about what's going on in the cannabis industry and in the drug war and people that are incarcerated. And so I want to bring my voice to it because I've been through it and um, I want to do an online, you know, type uh, type of media company where there's you know all kinds of great magazine type stories and videos and, and blogs and podcasts and to try to humanize what's going on in the drug war and in the, the prison system and, and in cannabis. I mean, as cannabis laws change, 
you know, people need to be informed and they need good reporting, not, you know, nothing that's biased, but just really good reporting about what's going on, how this is affecting people and, uh, you know, and for the voice of somebody that's gone through it. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm thinking. Um, you can find me on Facebook right now. I'm just, just, I'm just now out of prison, so I haven't got it all going yet, but you can follow me at my name, Natalie DePriest. On Facebook, I also have a Four House Media page set up on Facebook, and you can follow that there and uh, kind of follow us as we get going and get started. Well, Natalie DePriest, thank you so much for being on Hempercent on Cannabis Radio. Your story is the story, is really, you know, what the struggle is all about, is decent, normal, average, uh, contributing uh, Americans being dehumanized and persecuted by this terrible drug war prohibition. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Certainly, I would like to help out any way I can with Four House Media, Hemp Fest. Count us, uh, count us in on being a part of that project in any way we can help. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And it's been good talking to you. Okay. My pleasure. Now I want to get to a weekly feature of Hempers on Academist Radio, and that is the quote of the week. And here it is, and I quote, it's not just the over $8 billion that we would be saving in law enforcement. It's also the over $8 billion that we would be making by taxing marijuana. We are filling our jails with nonviolent drug offenders, predominantly young, predominantly African-American. It's a great beyond left and right issue. It has support across the political spectrum and also the support of the majority of the American people. And that was Ariana Huffington, founder of the Huffington Post, talking about legalizing cannabis. That concludes this installment of Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio. I want to thank Brasco, my man in the control room, all the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more reefer repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special hempo sapien on a journey to justice because when it comes to prohibition, you have the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice, so find yours and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Till then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, and toke it easy. Don't forget to email me at hempresent at gmail.com. The Hempresent theme song, Take Back the Plants, performed by Sticker Bush and sung by a much younger version of myself. Turn up the music, maestro. I'm out. Marijuana. THC. Sweet sativa. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.